Yes, Lord, would you um, just pour out grace in this place that lifts our hearts, um, lifts our eyes. Just thank you, Lord, that you are the provider God. That everything you ask, you've laid out the tools for, the strength for. Lord, would you guide us in through that door into the freedom and rest that you are inviting us into? Amen. So, um, clearly, the Lord has been talking about praying for Israel recently. Um, and he was talking to me about how we're going to need to, like, teach into it. Um, and before I even got to have that conversation with anybody, people started doing that. So um, that's what he's talking about. So I'm going to be talking about praying for Israel again today, and you can expect a little bit more of that coming up. Um, so, because that's what he wants to talk about right now. And it's coming out in prayer, and it's coming out in people um, speaking, and... Um, it's just cool that it's coming out in many voices, so we get to hear like a, yeah, many sides, many facets um, through each of us. So let's go to Ephesians 2.11 to start. And um, what he's giving me to talk about today, hopefully, is a, is um, going to give a little there's potential for freedom in it um, and, and a little bit of relaxing if you're like most of us and someone says, it's time to pray for Israel more, if that makes you clench up a little bit um, and like, oh, okay, you know, it's like this is the flesh's uh, reaction whenever it's like the Lord's like, There's, there needs to be more of this um, is to go, okay, I'm going to put it down on a list, and you know, i got to add it to the things that I, I'm hitting every day or every whatever, and, and I'm going to make this happen, and I'm going to you know, grit my teeth and focus on it. So hopefully um, this is going to help with that a little bit. Uh, I do want to, the Holy Spirit wants to, um, just invite us all to be, as prayer and worship leaders um, over this next season of a couple of months, to be talking to him about is there um, prayer for Israel that he wants to incorporate into your sets, um, either taking a set to take whatever you've got, um, whatever he's given you as this is the topic for your set, and um, make it in Israel that set. So not necessarily being like, okay, we're scrapping what the Lord set, but, um, and, and I'll talk about this today. Um, it's really very easy to take anything that we pray about and be like, and we're going to connect that to Israel. Um, or even like a portion, like here's this, the, a quarter of this set is going to be Israel focused. Um, so be praying about that and listening um, to what he's saying because it, it's, it's time and what he's doing right now. So Ephesians 2.11 
Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation." having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances so as to create in himself one new man from two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity, which is all really weird language, I think, for us in you know our contemporary 2,000-year-later church culture. Um, he's using... A, symbol of the sorig, which was this low wall in the court of the, um, around the temple that was the, okay, you're a Gentile, you can get no closer to the temple than this. Don't cross this line. And um, there are archaeological, um, they found signs that say, basically, your life is in your hands. If you cross this line, um, we'll kill you. Um, it, it was that, that staunch of a barrier to anybody who is not Jewish. Um, And he's using that to talk about that being broken down and the way being opened. And we think a lot, I think, about the cross breaking down the separation between us and God, but not so much about like, hey, and we're connected into Israel through the blood, through the cross. Um, Because we don't think much about the fact that there was an enmity, that like God actually, you know, when he was naming out locusts, or not locusts actually, locusts were okay, um, shrimp and pigs and all the things that couldn't be eaten and all the things that would make it so that you couldn't come in, he also said, and all of you, all of us, we are unclean back under the old law, like all of these things, like shellfish and Um, you know, and diseases. Like we were that sort of violently separated off from God as Gentiles under the old law. And so, um, and from the rest of the Jews, you know, they are clean by virtue of um, being ceremonial clean. And we had no hope of that being outside. And so in the cross, it's not only you are connected to God, but I'm now putting back together that which I separated so that I could pull a people out and sanctify them. I'm now opening the way for you to get connected into that family, not just with the Lord. Because they're connected in. So it's kind of a, it's a funny thing, I think, reading it, because it's something we take for granted. We don't, you know... It, as, as a Gentile who had some kind of revelation back then and was like, you know, the, the Ruth kind of like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to connect. And I, I see that this is God, that your God is God. You would have this barrier of, and I can only ever get this close and under the old covenant. You know, and that would be a painful separation to stand outside and be like, oh, I, I have, I have realized that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is God. 
And yet there's this, there's this blockage. There's this, you're going to have to stand out, out here and give him love and adoration. And how much, how painful that would have been. So not knowing that pain, it's hard for us to go, oh, thank you for, you know, clean, uh, taking care of that, from, from getting rid of that separation so that we can come to you fully. Uh, continuing on, he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near, for through him we have both access by one spirit to the Father. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit." One of the ways we can see how like, radical this was is that like, our New Testament, a good chunk of it is just about people trying to navigate the fact that this thing that had this hard line between it was taken away. And they're like, we don't know how to deal with this. Like, things are being brought together that were diametrically opposed for centuries, Jew and Gentile. And... And they keep hitting this, you know, like thing of like, what does that mean that there's not a there's not a separation here anymore? What does that mean for the people who are outside, who are now connected in? What does that mean for the people who were kind of inside but had have gone into a new reality where these stones are being stacked together? These things that were completely against each other are now actually being fitted so that they match together and can be a wall that stands up, um, a new temple. Which is all to say, um, and how does this pertain to praying for Israel, that the goal and process of all of this is a connecting together. So it's easy, I think, when you pray for Israel to see Israel as so other you know there's we know there's all these um customs and laws and 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 worldviews that we're like oh that's it's kind of strange i don't know if i can access into that and we know there's all of these um prophecies about how different um world players connect to each other around and about israel and it can seem so like and like I don't, I don't know how to cross that gap, but it's this is all a process of a bunch of people who are kind of reaching for God, having trouble in it, all of the normal troubles that people have, that you and I have, reaching for God and hitting those troubles, and Christ coming and dying, blood covering, and now um, the Spirit working to unite them the same as the Gentiles who had all these barriers, all these things, all these things we deal with, now trying to come under the blood and be like, okay, reuniting. Um, There is, the core of it is about 
the joining together and the similarity and the all being under the blood of Jesus, not a lot of detail um, and all of the things that make us go, oh, so different, I don't understand it. Uh, let's go to John 10. John 10, verse 7. It's funny, um, I say that the New Testament has, is like so many of those letters, that's really what they're about, is navigating this barrier being removed. Um, or at least the reason for their writing. That's the, sort of the impetus for why someone sat down and said, I've got to write another letter. Um, is to, like, I need to sort some of these issues out by the Spirit. But it's also been the last 2,000 years of church history arguing about what does all this mean? Like, what is that line that's been removed? How has it been removed? What are the distinctions still between Israel and not Israel and the grafting of us into Israel, but the promises for Israel? And the church has been arguing about it um, for 20 centuries now, still. Uh, John 10, 7. Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep, but a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf come in and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he's a hireling, does not care about the sheep. I'm the good shepherd, and I know my sheep and am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd, which is, um, you know, he broke down that dividing wall. He's shattered that barrier. Um, and at the same time, we are waiting for the full manifestation of uh, being joined together as one flock, Right? which is to say that this is at the heart of praying for Israel. This is what we're looking for um, and praying into is the full manifestation of what the cross purchased, of our uniting into Israel and Israel's uniting into God and our uniting into God. Ephesians 3. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ, Jesus, uh, prisoner of Christ Jesus, for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which was given to me for you, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I've briefly written it already, by which, when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets. 
that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel, of which I became a minister according to the gift of grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. Um, this is one of those like things that has been a contention for a long time is what the inheritance for the church is and the inheritance for Israel is and what the promises mean. And he says, you know, you're partakers in the promise. It's Israel's original promise. Through Christ, we Gentiles have become partakers in that same promise. And um, I appreciate Tim's revelation about, you know, that I can claim all of these promises because I'm being grafted into Israel. They're my promises too. And um, where we get off is when we start applying the promises to things that are not Israel because by association they seem to be connected to us. And that's why people um, usually make the statement of like, these are Israel's promises, don't appropriate them. Because we can say, you know what, I'm part of Israel. That's a promise for me. But I'm also part of... I work for the civic downtown. That doesn't mean that God's promising to lift up the civic and establish it forever. You know, it could be a thing that's going to pass away. Um, We can't sit there and go, oh, you know what? The U.S. mostly got Christians in it, so U.S., Israel, they're kind of the same thing. Let's take all of the things that um, God promised Israel and say, yeah, you know, I think that's good for the U.S. too. He's going to lift up Israel, and he's going to establish Israel, or lift up the United States, establish it forever, and all those things, because we have an association there. We actually have been grafted into Israel, and the other associations have fallen away. Uh, let's go to Romans 11. The, which we'll probably hear over and over again because it's hard to talk about praying for Israel without going to Romans 11. And I'm confident each time we read it because it is so rich that we're going to come out with different things and go, ah, that's something else. Okay, right. Romans 11. I say then, has God cast away his people? Certainly not. For I also am an Israelite, the seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not cast away his people whom he foreknew. Or do you not know that the scripture says of Elijah how he pleads with God against Israel, saying, Lord, they've killed your prophets and torn down your altars, and I alone am left, and they seek my life. But what does the divine response say to him? I've reserved myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Even so, then, at this present time, there's a remnant according to the election of grace. And if by grace, then it is no longer of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. But if it is works, it's no longer grace. Otherwise, work is no longer work. What then? Israel has not obtained what it seeks, but the elect have obtained it, and the rest were blinded. So just to note that when we pray for Israel, um, there is a body Israel. There is 
um, the Israel to be married to the Lord that we're grafted into. And then there is also the remnant who have believed in Yeshua, who have received the work of the cross. Um, and that's the, that, in my experience, is the tricky thing to navigate when you're praying for Israel, listening, um, is am I praying for Israel as, a, as, as the bride being made ready um, right now, or am I praying for a remnant that has received, or am I praying for the portion of Israel that may yet receive? Um, because they're, they're different. Um, not every single Jew receives Christ by the time they die. And yet all Israel will be saved. There is a remnant which is fun to pray for because you're praying for Jewish people, part of Israel, but also part of Israel by the blood of Christ and our brothers and sisters in Christ. So, so, so near to us. Um, and then there are those who have not received Christ uh, who are not our brothers and sisters, but may be. Um, the Lord is always doing this thing where he's reserving a group. And he's, every, the great thing is every time he takes a group out and sets them apart, it's an invitation for others to plug into that and become part of that. So it's never a, we're going to keep taking it out and taking it out and taking it out until there's nothing left because it gets added in in that process. He takes the Israelites out of Egypt and it's a mixed, mixed group that come with them. Some others, Egyptians, people who are neither Egyptian nor Jewish are like, we recognize what's happening. We're coming with you. We recognize this God, and they become connected in. Um, and that's the process here. You know, we know there's a, a great falling away happening. And as the Lord's taking a bride out of the church, there are those who were never in the church are getting added into that bride. Um, and the same with Israel, with the Jewish people. Just as it is written, God has given them a spirit of stupor, eyes that they should not see, and ears that they should not hear to this very day. And David says, let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a recompense to them. Let their eyes be darkened so they do not see and bow down their back always. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? Certainly not. But through their fall, to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. Now, if the fall, their fall is riches for the world and their failure riches for the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? For I speak to you, Gentiles. Inasmuch as I am apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry. If by any means I may provoke to jealousy those who are my flesh and save some of them. For if their being cast away is the reconciling of the world, what will their acceptance be but from life from the dead? For if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy, and the root is holy, so are the branches. If some of the branches were broken off, and you, being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, and with them became a partaker of the root and fatness of the olive tree, do not boast against the branches. But if you do boast, remember that you do not support the root, but the root supports you. You'll say the branches were broken off, that it may be grafted in. Well said, because of the unbelief they were broken off, 
and you stand by faith. Do not be haughty, but fear. So we approach praying for Israel and the Jewish people in humility. Um, same snares, same grace is available. So um, he equates right here, you know, it's this, this, there's this breaking off because of unbelief, but we can be broken off because of unbelief. There's a grafting in by grace and receiving the blood of Christ, and that is available to both Jew and Gentile. Which is to say, um, when we come before him to pray on behalf of the Jewish people, it's not really mysterious. The same things that lead a heart into repentance and receiving the cross and the blood of Jesus are the same things. You know, we're all our hearts, our hearts of, of men, of flesh. Um, there's a same grace that can be extended to us, and there's the same kind of snares. It's amazing watching, you know, I don't know, I want to say like right now, in, in the last 10 years, um, but it probably was there before that, and I just started seeing clearer. But it is amazing how closely similar the same snares and judgments are happening in just circumstances of the world, of the, in the movements of history in Jerusalem that are happening everywhere else. You know, it's, it's amazing that, like down, down to weird details of like right-wing governments courting religious um, conservatives in order to hold together a thing, even though they don't really like the religious conservatives. That's, you know, I, I could say that, and you, you could pro- find at least a handful of countries where the exact same pattern is happening in recent years. Um, and the temptations for those who are religiously conservative, reaching for God, to plug into that instead of what the Lord's doing at the moment. Um, just This is just an example to throw out there. But there's so many things like that, that the very things where we pick up Scripture and it speaks directly to us, even though it was written to Jewish people 3,000 years ago, it goes the other direction as well. The same things we stand up here and pray, Lord, this is what I need. This is what's standing between me and you. The people in Israel right now, that's the exact same things that are standing between them and the Lord. Which is not to say, so um, there are all of these very specific prophecies about world movements, and the Lord does say, hey, this is that right here that you're seeing. You know, the Spirit says that will highlight things and be like, this is that. But... Um, what I want to convey today is not to let that be a hurdle. Like, if I haven't figured out who all these kings are and what they're doing, I'm paralyzed, right? Because there is really a place, the kingdom... I'm jumping. Anyway. (laughs) Getting excited, as Tom says. Uh, Let's go to Matthew 23. I 
feel like what he wants to do is really distill down, okay, so here is my heart for what it means to pray for Israel, and then I'm going to build on that. The Holy Spirit, the Lord, is going to build on that. All of this stuff that seems daunting when you pray for Israel. But if we can grab a hold of the very heart, we can always come before him going, Lord, what do you want to pray for Israel and the Jewish people? Um, without that little voice coming in going, you don't really know anything about Israel. And shutting it down. Matthew twenty three thirty seven. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her, how often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. See, your house is left you desolate. For I say to you, you shall see me no more till you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This is such a beautiful, um, just to think about, like, Just the compassion of Jesus, you know, longing. And he kind of talks about it third person-y, you know, like you who killed the prophets. But he's about to be, you know, the prophet, the Messiah that they kill. And yet his, his heart is still, oh, I want to I take you in and hold you. Um, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This is the blessing that was said. It's not anymore. Over time, tradition has changed. Um, but it was the blessing of the three pilgrimage feasts where all of the men were required to go up to Jerusalem, Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. Um, and, of course, he is quoting Psalm 118. which is a Hallel psalm, um, which is uh, these psalms were all read, sang out as part of those three feasts originally. Um, I believe they, they all still are for Passover, but as far as I understand, uh, they have been replaced by a different thing in Pentecost and Tabernacles. Um, but Psalm 118, let's start with 19. Open to me the gates of righteousness. I'll go through them and I'll praise the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous shall enter. And of course, I think we just read um, Jesus saying that I am the way. I am the only gate that the sheep come through. I will praise you for you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Again, referring to Jesus this was the Lord's doing. It's marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Save now, I pray, O Lord. O Lord, I pray, send now prosperity. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We've blessed you from the house of the Lord. Um, and something I did not realize, because it, it, this always strikes me as slightly, again, weirdly third person, like, they're going to go up and say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, as opposed to, Jesus, we need you. But this is actually Baruch Haba. This is how you say, welcome into my house in Israel. Um, that's the blessed is he who comes. It's the standard, hey, I've invited you over for dinner. Welcome. 
Um, so they are actually announcing welcome to the Lord. Come. So the heart of the Lord for Israel summed up and repeated over and over. I'm going to blast through a bunch of scriptures, and they are not exhaustive. Um, But just to show a repetition that is all through scripture. Genesis 17, 8. I will give you Canaan, and I will be your God. Exodus 6, 7. I will take you for my people, and I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God. Exodus 29, 45. I will dwell among the sons of Israel, and I will be their God. Leviticus 26.12, I will walk among you and be your God and you shall be my people. Leviticus 26.45, I'll remember for them the covenant with their ancestors that I might be their God. Ezekiel 14.11, they will be my people and I shall be their God. Ezekiel 37.27, my tabernacle also shall be with them. Indeed, I will be their God and they shall be my people. Jeremiah 31, 33, I'll put my law within them and on their heart I'll write it and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Jeremiah 32, 38, they shall be my people and I will be their God. Zechariah 8, 8, they shall be my people and I will be their God. Joel 2, 27, you will know that I am in the midst of Israel and that I am the Lord your God. And then Revelation 21, 3, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. I think it's amazing that like, this is what he says over and over through prophet after prophet after prophet. He declares his heart, which is, I'm going to be your God, and you're going to be my people. Like, I'm going to connect to you. I'm going to remove separation. I'm going to abide with you. Like, this is the core of his heart is we're going to be joined together, bride and bridegroom. And every single one of those verses is in the context of judgment. The reason he's saying this is because he's given the prophet, here is a judgment that's going to happen. And the context of that is, and I'm going to make you my people, and you're going to know that I'm your God. Which makes it um, really easy to pray this right now, because the judgments are getting so clear that we can look at them and go, this is the Lord burning for his people, desiring to get rid of the last separation so that they will be joined to him. And also makes it challenging because how do you get up on a microphone in front of who knows who turns on the stream and say, yeah, it's good that you're judging those people halfway across the world. The only way you do that is if you've also been like, Lord, it's good that you're judging me. I know this is your heart for me because you want to be my God and you want me to be yours forever. And this is the way it happens. Um, I've definitely had those moments like Paula was saying last week where you're like, okay, here we are for another hour this week and It's hard to say, Lord, 
Israel received Jesus for another hour's worth of prayer, right? But there's so much that can be prayed in that. Just like we come here year in, day in and day out and pray, essentially, Lord, help me to receive Jesus. And we have a thousand different ways to pray that because there are a thousand different things that get in the way of it, that help it. And it actually doesn't take a lot of reading news about Israel or history or um, people talking about how, you know, about Jewish culture to have all of those things um, brought to life by the Spirit. Like, it, it, it doesn't take an advanced degree in Jewish history or, um, or the culture of Israel to be like, oh, you know, I see, like, um, do you know that, uh, that terrorists fly balloons and kites across the fences with fire hanging from them as a way of trying to burn? And, um, you know, it's like it's one little momentary thing. And seeing in Scripture the Lord going, you know, there's going to be a day where fire is going to rain down. It's a judgment. Like, it's that easy to find something to go, oh, you know, like, Lord, help me respond rightly to that. Help Israel respond rightly to that. You know, what is, what are you hoping that the hearts will do in response to this thing? And, and what, how are people actually saying, this is how we need to deal with it? Versus how are you saying, and... Um, and I just bring that up because it's like one little thing that can pop up. You know, the spirit can say, hey, here's an article. It, it doesn't take, Friday's going to be my day where I'm going to sit down and read every news source I can find, you know, to connect with that. So let's go to uh, Luke 17 and response person or team, if you want to come on up. I think, um, eh, I won't say it that way. My journey in the prayer room has been one of praying for external things, circumstances, to praying about my heart and people's hearts over years. And I think that's probably the, the arc that everybody experiences. Um, so Luke 17, 20. When he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, see here and see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. Um, we know the kingdom is like that leaven mixed into meal that slowly works its way out. It is like that seed that grows up and becomes something so much bigger than it was. It is something that is hidden and then slowly reveals. Um, 
And for some reason, when the Lord's like, pray for Israel, it's easy to forget kind of the lesson of the prayer room, uh, which is all of this is inside out. And what the Lord desires above all is hearts versus things getting ordered um, externally. And for some reason, it's easy to, to forget that and start looking at all the external things about Israel, the differences, um, the circumstances, the very specific like world prophecies, and get trapped in that. Um, but knowing that it's the same grace, it's the same hearts getting caught by the Lord and getting touched by his grace and by his spirit. There's a freedom to enter in to praying um, led by his spirit rather than having to like, I gotta study up on all these things. And you know what it'll do over time is um, he'll lead you to stuff that'll actually teach you details too. Um, so Lord, I, I just want to ask again, just for freedom, as you're calling us to pray for your chosen people, that you do just give us a grace and a, a lightness to it. Um, and open our eyes to see uh, and compassion. Lord, we can, where we can look with uh, eyes that see clearly and hearts that are soft towards your people. Amen.